Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. I'm going to start a little differently today. Her life was a wreck. After five failed marriages, she stopped with the formalities. She came to the well when the sun blazed so she could draw water alone and hide from the comments, the whispers, and the condemning looks. He was a powerful man who abused his power to sleep with another man's wife, but he got her pregnant, and out of fear of exposing his wickedness, he tried to hide behind a cover-up that eventually turned to murder. She had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years, all that time unclean, uncomfortable, and uncomforted. She saw Jesus heal others and longed to receive his touch. But how could she ask him in front of the whole crowd? So she sought to hide in anonymity by just touching the fringe of his robe. These are three biblical descriptions, and I'm sure some of you related to what stories in the Gospels that I was referring to. But these were people that tried to hide their shame from those around them. But the wonderful thing is, if you know these stories, that God set them free from their shame. Amen? Have you ever done something you're ashamed of? That should be yes and a hand raised with everybody here. Why do I know that? Because you're not perfect. Pastor Rick's not perfect. We have all done things that we're ashamed of. And here's the truth, though. I believe that we can carry those things with us for many, many, many years, even to our grave. We carry things and thoughts of shame. And I want to remind you, and I want to teach you today, that God set you free from that. Yet we choose to carry the luggage of shame with us wherever we go, even into the church house. I want to speak to you today, if you've been carrying shame for years, today is the day to let it go. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. It can be easy to feel like you'll never be free from your past or shame. I can stand before you today and declare, just like you, there are inadequacies in me every day. I, I want to be the best husband, the best father, the best pastor, the best co-worker I can be, co-worker I can be during the week. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta remember, you're never enough. All of us are never enough. We are so stretched in this day and age that we live in. And because we try to be so perfect, amen? Like, I mean, all of us, we're trying our hardest to do the best we can. And in that process, we can feel ashamed of not living up to what we think or a standard we felt we should have reached. And the truth of it is that we all struggle with shame at times. So today's message I've titled, Quit Being Ashamed. Quit being ashamed. Say that with me. Quit being ashamed. Amen. I would uh, invite you to turn. It's a simple text today. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. I want to take you to the beginning. 
Genesis chapter 2, and it'll be on the screen behind me. I'm going to take you to the beginning with Adam and Eve. There was a time when they felt no shame. You and I can't relate to that. We don't know what that feels like. We, we can't comprehend that. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, the scripture says this, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Everybody say that with me, no shame. That's a foreign concept to us. We, we don't know what that feels like. I guarantee each of you have felt shame in different degrees, different instances in your life. Yes, they were naked and they felt no shame. Some of you right now, just the thought of that alone scares the living daylights out of you. But there are other kinds of nakedness. Just being naked in your transparency of your feelings, of your thoughts. It's not just always referring here to being naked physically. They were naked with each other with their thoughts. They didn't hold anything back. At times, you and I can be reserved with our thoughts. What we say to our spouses, well, I can't say that. Adam and Eve were transparent. Full, full frontal effect, amen? This verse is proclaiming a total transparency within this first couple. Evidence of their purity and their condition was transparent here. They were both naked. They didn't need clothes from, from the cold, the heat. God took care of them there in the Garden of Eden. And as God took care of their needs, He's still the God that takes care of your needs here today. Amen? They knew not what shame was because they knew no sin. See, you have to know sin to know shame. And that's where the serpent is introduced in the Bible. The serpent, as you know the story, came and entered the scene and began to tempt Eve, Adam and Eve. And eventually, as we know, they sinned by disobeying the Lord's command to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What happened at the very precise moment that they ate of it? The Bible says they felt shame. When you disobey, when you sin, what is it that you feel? You feel shame. And you should. It should be there for a reason. God in His mercy has caused these things to, to pop up, to for us to experience, but we shouldn't remain in that condition is what I want to tell you today. You shouldn't remain in your shame. Sin leads to shame. The Word of God immediately tells us that when they felt the shame, they began to sow fig leaves together. Have you ever seen a fig leaf? We used to have a fig tree. It was actually in my grandma's yard right next door to us. And me and my brother, we built a fort on that tree. Big, big fig tree, but fig leaves are big. And, and so they sowed these leaves and covered themselves up because they felt shame for the first time in their life. Shame will cause you to cover, cower, and hide. Amen? Guilt produces shame. You see, when you're caught with your hand in the cookie jar, you feel guilty 
And that produces shame. Right now, you are thinking about something you did. I know you are. Because I am. <laughs> shame then declares, not only am I guilty, I'm a bad person. I'm an evil person. That's what shame does. Shame takes guilt a step further and stabs you. And it declares, I am bad, I am wrong, I am worthless, I am no good. I'll never be as good as where I should be or what God wants me to be. I'll never be that good husband, that good wife, that good co-worker, that good neighbor. I'll never measure up. And shame will keep you from living the God-ordained purpose that he has called you to live. Amen? And that's all from the enemy. The enemy was the one that introduced this in the garden. The enemy is still at work in your life and my life today. Now, I don't know what you've done to make you feel your shame. Maybe it's something from the past. Maybe it's something from many years ago that you've carried and you refuse to let it go because you don't know how. I want to remind you today, the Lord doesn't want you to carry that another moment, another second. Amen? Maybe it's that secret life, that double life. We've all, we all hear about these things. I love to watch Dateline on TV. I love that program. And usually you find out someone was living a double life. And it's so sad when they discover this double life. And, and, and maybe that's been part of a secret double life you've been living or you lived in the past. Maybe you don't want anyone to find out about how terrible your finances are, about the porn you're addicted to, or, or what you did, or what something somebody did to you. You're ashamed of that. These are reasons why you may experience shame, which leads or guilt, which leads to shame. The problem is the enemy of our soul tries to convince you and I that that's who you are, that you're worthless because of what you did or what was done to you, that you are worthless and that you will never be anybody. Anybody ever experienced that? You don't have to raise your hand, but that's what the enemy tries to do. The enemy tries to intimidate you and tell you you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. I want to tell you that with God all things are possible, amen. You are more than conquerors, amen, through the blood of the Lamb, amen. Slowly you begin to believe the lie that you're damaged goods and you carry that day after day, week after week, month after month, into your marriage, into becoming parents, grandparents, and you're still hauling that luggage of shame from years past. God wants to set some people free today of shame, amen? And that shame begins to slowly infect your spirit that you're unlovable. Nobody can love you that you're disgusting. And that's the, 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 the pit, of the hell, pit of hell, the lie from pit of, the pit of hell, amen? It leads us to a thinking process that is, that is completely opposed to what you as a Christ follower should have. It leads us to a shame-based 
thinking. And I have three points I want to put up on the screen today. And the first one today is, we are vulnerable to perfectionism. Anybody out there like me that tries to be perfect and you realize that you're not? Some of us are. Some of us are perfectionists. We think we can do it and nail it every single time. And, and you try your best. And it doesn't work. Why? Because you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. There's only one that's perfect. And he is Jesus Christ. Amen? I know that this is something I often struggle with, trying to be perfect. And, and we tend to think that we can eliminate the shame by being perfect. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Whether it's in your dress, your appearance, what you post on social media. You ever notice how there's never any ugly pictures of anybody on social media? Nobody posts a bad picture. They all look like models. Well, let me just break a secret. They're called filters. People use filters to make themselves look like a model. And everybody's always having a beautiful day. Nobody ever has a bad day. All their flowers look beautiful. They don't look like yours that are dying and need water or something. But we strive for this perfectionism. And it's not attainable. It's not attainable. Second thing I would tell you is we are critical of ourselves, which drives us to become critical of others. Have you ever heard the expression, hurting people hurt other people? It's very true. Shame, or people that are ashamed, shame others. They tend to shame others. They tend to put them and feel, make them feel ashamed of, as well. I remember once I had a very critical coworker, uh, a judgmental coworker. Anybody ever work with somebody like that? Hopefully you weren't that person. But this person just had an attitude where they were constantly very critical and very judgmental. I don't know that they truly realized it. In fact, I believe they didn't realize it. And this person desperately wanted to be or come across so righteous and so perfect in their ways. And I would have coworkers make comments to me like about this person. Until and in all other ways, this person was a great coworker, really good coworker. But one day, everybody say one day. <laughs> one day I got tired of hearing this comments. This person reported to me. So I pulled this person aside and I just told them straight up. I said, you are the most judgmental, critical person I have ever met. Now, under normal circumstances, I mean, that's almost like, you know, it's being, I wasn't critical, but I was calling them being critical, and on and on and on, I kind of felt awkward about it, but I had to, I just had reached the end of my rope, and I had to, I called them out on this, this person who will remain anonymous. They were the most critical and judgmental person I had ever known. Now, I knew this person was probably dealing with self-esteem issues, shame, I don't know. Self-esteem, more than likely. And I truly, to this day, don't believe they knew how they were coming across with the comments they would constantly make. While I'm glad I told this person 
to this day, I, I regret I told that person. But, you know, sometimes God has you tell somebody something. It was shared in, in, in just in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And the point of that is, be careful if you criticize people. Don't have a critical spirit, number one. And if you're living with shame, don't try to shame others. Amen? Don't try to shame others. God's going to speak to that person. God will allow that person to give up that shame at some point. I truly believe it. The third thing I would tell you today is we use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. We use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. Do you realize that people can become enslaved to shame? That everywhere you look, everywhere you go, you carry that shame on your back. No matter how great of a day you're having, no matter how great church was, no matter how great your vacation was, deep down you still carry that shame with you. You can feel small. You can feel flawed. You can feel like you're never going to be good enough. You live under the fear that you'll never measure up. That you'll never be as good and accepted like those people are. Or maybe like a sibling was. Which is even the worst kind of shame to live under. You'll never be able to please these people. You'll never measure up. What happens then is this often results in you working harder, trying to work harder, trying to please people all the time. Have you figured it out yet? You can't please all the people all the time. Amen. Pastors face that struggle when it's too hot, it's too cold in the same service. <laughs> I can't please all the people all the time, but I'm going to try to please Mother Betty, okay? I'm just going to tell you that straight up right now. <laughs> Amen. Things will never get better, so what happens in our mind? We think, well, I'll just give up. Why try to be perfect? I'll just do my half best to get the job done. I'll do, I won't put 100% in this relationship. I'll just give them 50%. I, I won't do my very best. I won't commit myself. I'll just do, because they don't care, so why should I? That's the shame-based thinking that sinks in here and cripples you for the rest of your life. God didn't design you and I to live like that. Amen? Shame will cause you to disengage, to take a step back and take a, instead of taking a step forward. It'll cause you to disengage from what you should be doing, how you should be living your life. It may even cause you to go back to your addictions before, to what God saved you out of, amen? And that was me. I got, I, I'm, I'm going to share this again. I first got saved in my 20s, mid-20s. And I didn't know anything about God at that time. Yet at the same time, I was soaking up God. I was going to church. Anytime the doors were open, I would be there. I was going to Bible studies, and I was soaking up the Word, and I was looking around, and I was realizing, not everybody's like this. How come they're not going to Bible studies and reading the Word? And what I didn't realize at that moment was that God had called me 
at that moment. He wanted me to, he had, a, he had this picture in mind. But in my mid-20s, I didn't want nothing to do with that. In fact, I got to a point after three years of being in this church, I walked away from God. There was a point in life where I became confused, and I walked away and walked back to the thing that God saved me out of. Amen? And, and in that process, let me tell you, and I've shared this with you before, when you're a backslider, you don't need anybody to tell you you're a backslider. Every day you wake up and you look in that mirror, the mirror speaks right back to you and says, you are not right. You are not walking with God. You are not where you should be. And what it does is it brings shame to you. It causes you to live in shame. It causes you to just say, oh, it's never going to work out. God wouldn't love me. Why would I ever want to come back to church? I've failed and God, God's probably given up on me. That's the mentality that started to sink in until one day, as I've mentioned before, there was a time where I felt I was like the, the prodigal son that was feeding the pigs. A Jewish man feeding the pigs going, what in the world am I doing here? And that's when I woke up. And, I, and really, I, this is the only way I can tell you, the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you doing here? And it snapped me, and it made me come to my senses, snapped me out of my slumber, brought me out of, my, out of those bad senses I was in, into where I should be, and I've never looked back many, many, many years ago, way before I ever met Anna. If I hadn't gotten my, my life right, I never would have met her. She never would have entertained going out with a person like me back then. Amen? This was shame-based thinking at its worst. But I'm here to tell you, but by the grace of God, I am no longer ashamed. I've let go of that shame. That was in the past, amen? I was carrying that for a few years. I was carrying that. I had it strapped on my back everywhere I went. If I had to get in a conversation with a believer, oh, that was the worst. Because I knew better. I knew better. I had moved in with my parents as, a, as an adult. I had moved back in with my parents. And every time I, and I had brought them to the Lord. And here I was living under their roof, not living for God. Talk about shame. Talk about the wrong thoughts entering here. Until that one day, finally, when the Lord set me free and said, What are you doing here? Let me pick you up and put my, your feet on a rock to stay. Amen? And that's what he did. Amen. I am forgiven. I am a child of the king. I've been set free. Amen. And so can you today. If you are struggling with any type of shame, I want to encourage you today to bring it to this altar today. This is especially true, the shame-based thinking. If, if, you're, if you have a parent or maybe a high-achieving sibling, that, and you're not like them. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up to them. You know, we always have those sibling rivalries growing up. And, and some of us have a hard time with those, possibly. And, and that can follow you all into adulthood. It can cause you to feel like a failure or feel like you're never going to measure up. And this creates a shame-based person. One that lives, talks, breathes shame. A person who works so hard to prove their worth, 
but they're never good enough. They never measure up. This, unfortunately, affects your relationship with others, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your children, whether it be your coworkers, because you carry that shame with you everywhere you go. And you know what? These thoughts, to prove themselves, only perpetuate the thinking that you're not good enough. You will never be good enough. Guess what? There's only one perfect, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is perfect in all his ways. Amen. What I'm trying to teach you today is don't allow this shame-based thinking to become part of your everyday thinking. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, God transformed your mind. He renewed your mind, and he has allowed you to become a new person, a new creation in Christ Jesus. But sometimes we want to bring a souvenir along. We want to bring along something from our past because we can't let that go because we've held on to it for so long. Can I just tell you today, drop it. Quit your shame-based thinking. Amen? As long as you are focused on you, you will always be vulnerable to shame. As long as it's all about you, you will be vulnerable to shame. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Amen. Verse, verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Say that with me. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One thing a person told me a long time ago, um, after I had gotten saved, after I had come back to the Lord, he said, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't put them on people. Don't put them on people. And the reason he said that is because people will fall. People will fail you. People will hurt you. But God alone will never hurt you. God will never fail you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Take your eyes off of yourself and put them on the God that loves you. The God that has a plan for you. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus here, the Bible says, scorning its shame, what that means is Jesus was saying he despised it. He hated it. The reason he declares that in the word is because God knows that shame will keep you from a relationship with him, just like it did with me. It can keep you at bay. It can keep you from just saying, Lord, I'm ashamed, but I give it to you. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you have brought that up and said, Lord, I'm ashamed, but I give it to you today? See, the only way to remove that shame is to remove that focus from you, from yourself, and place it in God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the perfect one, not you. So say this with me. I, I just have this sentence, two sentences that I want you to say this with me. With me. Repeat them 
after I say them. I will no longer be bound by shame. Because of Christ, I am set free. Do you believe it? I am set free because of what he did for me, what he did for you. You are set free. You can leave that luggage of shame here. You can leave that backpack of shame here. You do not have to carry that with you. Because of what he has done, the shame no longer has power over you and I. Amen? And as I close here today, I have a scripture. Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. Romans chapter 9 verse 33. I'm glad I have it up there. It says, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Ooh, right there. The one that believes in him will never be put to shame. But you may be here today, call yourself a believer, and have been walking with shame still. Can I just tell you today that when you fix your eyes on him and believe on him, you will never have to live with shame again. Amen? Someone may have told you, shame on you. Shame on you. Someone may have said again to you repeatedly, shame on you. You may have looked in the mirror and said, shame on you. Shame on you. As you looked at that person staring back at you in the mirror. Maybe the enemy has whispered, shame on you. Shame on you. But I want to tell you today, you are no longer with you are not that person. You are not that person who may have done something to you and you've lived in shame over years and years of your life. You see, God, I'm so thankful for this. God has created his church from broken people, just like me, just like you. All of you are broken people. And we all need a physician, the great physician, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the one that heals. He puts people together like this. All these churches in this city, throughout our communities, broken people that need a Savior. That's the beauty of church. God forms this church. People overwhelmed with sin and shame, and he brings healing to them. And he's going to bring healing to you today if you carry that shame he declares them new creations, gives them a purpose, a divine purpose in their life. People around us oftentimes suffer silently. Shame is a silent suffering because we don't want to come out and admit to what we may have done. And it's not that you have to come out and share that with anybody here. God forbid you have an advocate, Jesus Christ, amen? You bring that to him. But at the same time, I want you to know this is a safe place. Your church here, your pastors here, this is a safe place for you always, amen? People around us are suffering. Help us, Lord, to be a church 
that is transparent, that can tell others it's okay not to be okay. It's okay when you're suffering. It's okay when you have shame, sin in your life to come so that God can bring you healing. Amen. Will you stand with me today? As, as, we, uh, as we play this song here today, I want to invite you up to the front. I'd like everybody to come because I don't want to single anybody out. I don't want you to be singled out. But if there is a shame you've held in your hearts, in your spirit, if you've carried this and you said, I'm, and you're saying to yourself now after hearing this, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired of this shame. If that's you, if you've experienced that, I want you today, right now, just to give that to the Lord. Just to say, Lord, I give it to you. I no longer carry the backpack of shame, the luggage of shame that I've carried for years and years and years. I give it to you now. Lord, we love you. We invite your presence right now as we are about to minister in song to you, Lord. We pray, first of all, that, God, that you would hear every cry, every prayer in this place today. That, Lord, that those that have carried shame in their life, that they would release it to you today. That they would just let it go and no longer hold on to that. In the name of Jesus, God has healing for you today. God has comfort for you today. God has called you today to this place, not by accident, but by divine appointment for you to release that shame today to him. He wants to bring healing to years and years and years of suffering to you today. So if you would right now as we sing, just lift up your hands to him right now and just give that to him right now in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.